Hello and welcome to this episode of the 5Ws Podcast. In this episode, we're going to look at the series McCartney 3, 2, 1, 2, 1, 2, check, 1, <laughs> <That's> 2. <test. laughs> I think that's what they're, is that, I don't even, I don't get the joke. Anyway, uh, is, is that what it is? Um, which was I released, think it might be. <laughs> which was released earlier this year. I think it was released June or July or something like that. July, but, I think yeah, I saw it. Just, just seeing it. And it's on Hulu, yeah. which, mean, which means it's Disney once again. Disney, yep. So, yep. Yeah. Um, we're also going to tell you five critical reasons why you should be watching this series. Oh my God, if you haven't watched it already, watch it. <laughs> my name is AJ and I'm here with... Mecca. So trying to do a Liverpool Indian accent. Sorry, you need, you need the. You don't, you, don't make have it, the make you, don't have, you don't have the hard G anywhere. So let's get started. Who? Musician producer Paul McCartney and producer Rick Rubin. What? The series that was streamed on Hulu, McCartney 321. Where? Set in this strange sort of almost backstage area. When? Made last year or this year? Why? They don't give any specific introduction or reasoning for this show. They just start and they're into it. But let's be honest. Sir Paul is now 79 years old. He's entering that phase of life where nobody really knows how much time they have left. Personally, I believe that this is critical that he makes shows like this so he can learn about him, the Beatles and the music they made. We're going to lose pretty much all of the musicians from this era over the next two decades. If people thought 2015 was bad, losing Bowie and all that, it's going to get much worse. So let's hear from them now. Sorry to be so morbid, but this is the reality of the world in which we live. And Paul McCartney and people like him are truly irreplaceable. Here's a question. Are people going to be sitting around, you know, in 50 years time, talking to Post Malone about his, in inverted commas, <laughs> classics? Yeah, right. <laughs> so the concept of this series, Paul McCartney is talking to producer Rick Rubin about the music Sir Paul has made over the course of his long career. Not just the Beatles, but also his solo work, not just the Beatles, but also his solo work, and I even take time to look at Live and Let Die for the Bond film of the same name. Rick Rubin is a great choice to work with Sir Paul on this for reasons we will discuss in detail later. They talk about Sir Paul's music in an overall way and they also go into some songs in detail. They have in the studio, they are a multi-track device, which allows them to play isolated parts from many of Sir Paul's songs. If you haven't heard this sort of thing before, it would truly be a revelation as it allows the music to be broken down into primary components. More on that later too. I don't know. To me, it's not always that common. I don't know if you listen to that um, George Martin podcast I sent you. They, they were doing a very similar thing there, just you know, looking at Beatles stuff stripping away some sections and all that sort of thing. It's really good. Paul is in a very friendly and affable mood during the series. It's not even really a documentary when you look at it. It's just rather a look at some amazing music and people talking about it. They also look at the songwriting processes involved, as well as the general backgrounds and lives of the members, other members of the Beatles, as well as Sir Paul. Well, to have a quick look at the breakdown of songs in episode one, just to give you an idea of some of the content that is covered. And it's like this for the whole series. So episode one, which is titled, These Things Bring You Together. Each episode goes for half an hour, which 
is actually a really good length of time. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it's dragging on too long. And when it finishes, it's like, well, is that it? But but yeah, it's, it's like that. The first song they looked at was All My Love and a very early Beatles piece. Two, we can work it out. They showed a clip for this one. I haven't seen the clip before. And I just love the bit right at the start with um, John mugging to the camera, smiling at the camera and then pulling a face. Yeah. And that's I've, I've, it. I've seen that before. It was, oh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a giggle. <laughs> Three, Michelle. Come into the studio, playing it for the guys. Are you already thinking about what else it needs? No, that's all live in the studio. That's, right then. Yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't. I mean, you'd think we would have got together and worked out those harmonies. Yeah. Of course, George Martin, our producer, is very helpful with that too. Playing around on the mixing desk with this one, talking about the French bits, etc. Then they go to the opening track of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. They talk about Hendrix covering the song. I'd, I'd heard that story before, but it was it was good to see the footage of Hendrix doing it. That was amazing. Mm. And when they started playing um, Sergeant Peppers, I just loved how Paul kind of jumped out of his seat straight away to sort of dance and groove to the music as well. Yeah. He wasn't just sitting there, but he enjoys it. And, and uh, Rick was enjoying it as well. So it was really good. Five, with a little help from my friends. I love the breakdown on this song, talking about how it was, specifically written for Ringo and that sort of yeah. stuff. We wanted a Ringo song on our albums because he had millions of fans. So they always wanted to hear a Ringo song. And in the early days, he did covers, a country song called Act Naturally, yes. which is great, very, very Ringo. But we said, well, listen, we, we could write one. Pointed out that Ringo, you know, even though he was in the inverted commas drummer, uh, he was a very popular member of the band. So what they'd done in the past, they'd let um, Ringo in concerts and that sort of thing and recording-wise do a few cover songs and that sort of stuff. But, yeah, with, with a little help from my friends, is, is was the first song they wrote specifically for him, even with the limitations of his voice, which I don't think are that bad, really. No, it's, no. It sounds really good. I, I think I, I think Ringo's just... Ringo's just got a couple of bad rap over over the over the decades. I think I think he's a good. Oh, drummer. for sure. After Great after drummer. watching this and yeah. get back, I have, I have a, I mean I've always had a respect for him, but like mm. I have even more so of a respect for him after yeah. watching those these two. Yeah, uh, but like I say, that just this natural sort of prejudice and bias against drummers. Oh, drummers are stupid yeah, and all that sort of thing. It's like <laughs> no, uh, you know they 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 can really make the band and and with some stuff Ringo is really critical. And they said he used to figure out his own drum parts, all that sort of thing. So, yeah. Six, thinking of linking. Nice story about the origins of that song. I don't know if that's on an album. I, I, that's, a, that's I, once again, I, when, when they throw things up at me that I don't know, I haven't really listened to properly before. Mm. I do enjoy it, especially when he you know, gave the, gave the um, story about how they figured out the title of the song and how they constructed the song and all that sort of stuff. That was really, really good. And, you know, it, it is, you know, people consider it a minor piece, but it's, it's still got significance and Paul was able to explain that. He needs to do it for every single freaking Beatles song. Yeah. <laughs> Seven, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Now, this could be seen as controversial since, you know, sure, it's a George song, but since he's not here, why not have Paul going through it, looking at the evolution of George's songwriting and the like? One, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. 
see the love there that's sleeping. While my guitar gently weeps. George developed later as a songwriter. In the beginning, I don't think he was that interested. He's kind of just left it to me and John. But he became one of the greats. Still my guitar gently weeps. From the little guy I met on the bus. Yeah. A little guy with a little quiff. Yes. You know, with his hair and the little guitar player. He turned to be a very wise man. So when I use the word magical, that's sort of what I mean, you know. They discussed getting Eric Clapton in to record the guitar part for the song, etc. That that's really good as well. Most people know that Eric Clapton was involved in the song, but yeah, you know, I liked how they, how he said as well. You know, did you get Eric in as um, a member of Cream or George's friend? And he said we got him in as George's mate. And mm. and yeah, it's just really good. Um, they looked at the baseline for the song in isolation as well, and and the baseline's often neglected. That's actually one of the really heavy parts of the song if you know what i mean yeah, they pointed out yeah. the, the guitar and a lot of the other stuff was really light but you had this really really ominous mm -hmm. sort of face sound yeah da -da -da, and all that sort of thing and, and Sound, isn't it? Oh, considering yeah. it's accompanying this, yeah. I don't know how someone controlled you. I've never heard a bass sound like that before. It's very unusual. It's almost like two songs are happening simultaneously. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like Two whole, yeah. Either one of them, great, yeah. and then right on top of each other. Fast. This is another. It's another song here. Yeah. Well, no, baby, what yeah. you got now? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Oh. Still, my guitar. Fascinating. Yeah. No, it's just amazing. And you just almost assume it was guitar, but no, it's, it's Paul working mm. through the bass. So, yeah. And I just found, you know, watching it to review for this morning, I just found it damn hard to stop listening to the song. I kept going back to, back <laughs> to it over and over again. And, and they had at the start, they had um, George counting it in as well, which sounded great too, because that's yeah. not on the album. So always love to hear that sort of thing. And, and they had, you know, they had a few photos of George and, and just one in particular where he's young, he's in the leather jacket and he's got his hair back in there. And he just looked yeah. amazing. Beautiful, beautiful so photo. Good. Yeah, such a great shot, really excellent. And we could have had five years and gone back to the factory, which the photo's from. So I thought this line was very important and key to understanding one of the major secrets of the Beatles' success. And, it, and a lot of people have put down the Beatles over the last 50 or so years, but people forget, you know, being working class boys from Liverpool in the 1950s and 1960s, if you didn't break out in the way they did with music, you faced a very, very tough working class life with very limited prospects. Mm. And even then, on top of that, he also observes that bands back in, the, in those days rarely had the longevity of success that the Beatles had. Quite often, it was one or two years of success. 
And then that was it, over. Tertiary education or a proper profession for working class boys back then and girls, uh, just no way it didn't happen, yeah? Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's really, really important to understand this something. Sort of you know, we, we live in a world now where give, given a basic computer or a phone, anybody can record and any, anybody can upload and get their music out there. And it's just, you know, it means it a lot easier to be a successful musician now in some ways than certainly what it was back then. So it's, it's hard to appreciate how tough it was. Their, their luck was akin to being struck by a bolt of lightning because there were so many other bands trying to get the same success as them, trying mm. to get the same concerts, trying to get the same recording deals who looked similar, sound, sounded similar in the early days and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, and that's just the song breakdown for episode one. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> six more, five more episodes after that. Just gives you some idea of how much they go through. Uh, they didn't cover any, they didn't cover any um, of John, uh, of Paul's um, solo stuff in that episode, did they? It was just, it was. Oh, not in the first episode? Not no, in the first no, episode. No, no, no. no, no. no. But, no, it's pretty, yeah. pretty much Beatles, yeah. Yeah, so the main focus of the series of the Beatles, but like I say, they, they do have some of his solo stuff coming through. They do have the live and let die. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting, live and let die. <laughs> Actually, it'd be a great name for a concert tour for. But anyway. Now, we'll just look at the five reasons why you must watch this show, regardless of whether or not you're a Beatles or McCartney fan or even a music fan. This is critical viewing for understanding how we got where we are with modern music. Can't emphasize that enough. Once again, it's something mm. that's downplayed these days. And you have, you know, people who don't like the Beatles and that sort of thing. It's like, why do you dislike them? It's like their music was good. Their music has stood the test of time, you know, to the fact that here we are more than, oh God, more than more than 50 years later. And, you know, people are still hooked in by this sort of stuff. So, okay. Reason number one. It's Paul freaking McCartney, FFS, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> He's about to hit 80 years old. This stuff needs to get made while he is still alive. Sure, he's done yeah. interviews and the like over the years, but this is really detailed content about the music. Nothing superficial here. It's not getting too deep. It's not, not getting to the point where you can't understand what's going on, but, it, but it's just really getting in, into it. You also go through stuff by some of his other Beatles man mates. Nothing wrong with that since George and John were taken from us in unfortunate circumstances. You can see through this show and in the footage in the Peter Jackson Get Back series that at least in the last years of the Beatles, that Paul was all over the magicianship of the band, taking a leading role in how stuff was written and set out. It's great to hear him talk about and playing the guitar and piano while he goes through the songs. You picked up on that, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like in primarily from the Get Back miniseries, where basically the orchestration of all the Beatles songs is pretty much Paul. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why they sort of broke up because it sounded like they, no one in the, in the beginning of the Beatles sort of really wanted to do it. So Paul said, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But then as everyone got comfortable in their roles, I think they sort of wanted to start, like, I think, you know, oh, are, you, are you done with Get Back yet? Oh, yeah, I've watched the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah where the reason why George sort of quit the band for five minutes is because Paul wouldn't let him sort of do something. And Paul, but Paul said, no, I want him to do it. It's just sort of like, no, yeah. I got, it's, it's, you know, it, will it work or not is, is, yeah. is my well, only reasoning why it may or may not work. Like, yeah, well, even I, I listened to an interview with George Martin recently, pointed out that 
Now, it was unfortunate that George got neglected, but it was just how it was because John and Paul were seen as being the money makers. That they were seen yeah. as being the primary songwriters and that sort of stuff. It's a, it's not they didn't have any idea or no faith in George, but when you've got limited slots on an album and that sort of thing, uh, you know, it, it, it's just easy. And the for, time to do an album too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like these absolutely. days, it can take a year to do an album. Back then, it was mm. like you've got two weeks, and that's to write the songs. Well, yeah, <laughs> record well, the songs, produce the songs. Get that's what next. they did with the get back. That's what they did with the get mm. back. That was an insane deadline to set for themselves. Yeah, it didn't yeah. help. I, I think the other issue, Paul took over the musicianship, and I think he took more of a leadership role once Brian Epstein died as well. Oh, yeah. So you had that factor. But but the other thing, and I'm, I'm coming to realise it more and more, the real, up to me now, the real reason why the band did split up, Paul was taking a leadership role in the band. And while he was doing that, the other three Beatles got together and brought Alan Klein on board as manager, who Paul did not want. And oh. so that, that was a, that must have, that must have been a real slap in the face to Paul, in all honesty, because Paul had a lot of concerns about Alan Klein and he did end up ripping off the band members of money and that sort of stuff. And, you know, Paul ended up writing a song about it for Abbey Road, that sort of thing. Just, you know, you never take, I, I never take your money, whatever it is, you know, just he, he you know, he had to go at Alan, Alan Klein, but because but all I needed, since there was four members of the band, all I needed was three members to agree on one thing. And the fourth one was then bound to their decision. So okay, yeah. that they kind of screwed Paul over a bit in that way. So to me, and we'll talk about this more when we look at Get Back, you know, I, I think that was easily a bigger factor than anybody, you know, whinging about Yoko and that sort of thing. I, th- I think Yoko was just a relatively minor thing. Uh, in the, there's in bullshit the there. Yeah. In, looking, in the, at, looking at Get Back, you can tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, that, she was just an easy target. They all got on with her. Like this. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, she was just an easy target um, and that sort of thing. So which was really, really unfortunate. You, you can just see that he's enjoying talking about it to Rick oh, Rubin. Yep. He's, he's really, really enjoying just the, you know, it's a very conversational sort of thing. We'll talk more about that later. And yeah, I can, I can really see that twinkle in his eye that he's enjoying reminiscing and that sort of thing. He's enjo- it, yeah, it was, it was taking him back. The series was taking him back to, you know, back to the day. And, I'd imagine, you know, getting onto this, you know, this advanced stage of his life now, it, to me, uh, it does look like he looks after himself and that sort of thing. But he would also mm. know that once again, you get to that age, oh, health can be such a, such a thing to have to fight against sometimes. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So number two, the number two reason you should be watching this show, they got the format of this show right. It's perfect. It's conversational. It's not too interviewee. Rick Rubin isn't standing there with a script you know, no. I'm going to ask you this question now and that sort of thing. It, to, you right. know, I'm, I'm sure there could be also editing to cover that sort of thing up, but I, I don't true, think it's there. I, I don't think it's there. It's, it's just conversational. You can just see Rick picking up stuff that just comes from listening to the music and just hitting Sir Paul with it. There, there, was, there was one part I did notice today in episode five or six where they're looking at one of Paul's solo songs and in the song Paul starts to go, it starts to sing a bit, so like la di di la di dum la di da la di di, and <laughs> and Rick said to him, "Oh, you didn't finish the lyrics for that part," <laughs> <laughs> and and almost shit himself that he realised he'd said it to Paul. <laughs> Australia's like, "Oh no, no, I'm just joking, I'm just joking," <laughs> but that that's how comfortable he was with him, and I'm sure with a lesser being, Paul hearing something like that, 
<laughs> it wouldn't go well. So, yeah, but it's not too interviewee, nothing too formal or anything like that. Um, they clearly enjoy each other's company. And, of course, the music goes really well with that sort of thing. The move around working at the multi-track mixing desk or sitting working on a piano or even just sitting around chatting to each other, it's all very smooth and works well. Note to other people, I'm not saying it's okay to rip this sort of stuff off necessarily, but this is how this sort of thing should be done. And this is the sort of thing they need to be, not just Paul, they need to be grabbing other musicians because we've still got a lot of stones around, still got one monkey yeah. left and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Just, just <laughs> grabbing people. Really, you know, because we just lost Mike Nesmith last week, who was the second last member of the Monkees, wasn't he? So yeah. we've only got one monkey left. So, God, grab grab the remaining people from these bands. Do something like with this with them. Do it with Rick Rubin. You know, no, nobody get yeah. upset. It was it was Rick Rubin did the, I'm pretty sure he did the um, recording, a lot of the American recording sessions with Johnny Cash um, and that sort of thing. I think that was just taking advantage of the fact that Johnny Cash was getting old and still wanted to record. I, I think Rick realised the situation. It's like, once again, it's like Johnny Cash is getting really old. Let's get some more recordings out of him while he's still here. Um, you've heard though, some of those songs, haven't you? Where Johnny Cash covered a lot of songs and all that sort of thing. Was that when he did the Soundgarden? Yeah, did the Soundgarden. He did, did a few albums like that. He did the Soundgarden one, mm. did Hurt by Nine Inch Nails, did Mercy Seat by Nick Cave and that sort of thing. I'm pretty sure that was um, Rick Rubin producing that. So, you know, like I say, Rick, get out there, get the stones, get the monkey, get whoever else you can find who's just reaching that age and just Ringo. Get I want to oh, Ringo. Oh, get Ringo. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> get Ringo. Get Ringo in to talk about it as well because it would be fascinating to hear his insight because that's the one you don't really hear mm. that often. So, no. you know, just just really it's like, oh, I, I, you know, and just God, just grab anybody because God, it would have been great to have something like this from Bowie <laughs> or Prince, Eddie Van Halen, Eddie Van yeah, Halen, Bowie, and, yeah. Yeah, any, anybody you know in the music industry. Like I say, they're all reaching this age now. The, the ones from the you know sixties in particular, but also in the seventies and eighties, where we don't know mm. how long we got them. And if these stories aren't recorded, they're going to be lost. And oh, you know, yeah, I, I can't sure. emphasize Prince. Enough. Prince would have been awesome. Oh, Prince would have been fantastic. So, but and mm. that's just the sort of thing mm. they really need to do. Rick Rubin was an excellent choice of, I guess you could describe him as a co-presenter. Rick Rubin is younger than Paul McCartney. Rick Rubin was born in 1963. So he was born born when the Beatles were starting. And Mm. so he's definitely not a contemporary, but he's been involved in the music industry for so long that he can speak to McCartney about the music and production process as pretty much an equal, which is important. So Paul doesn't have to talk down to him. He can still learn from, you know, I can see he's still picking up stuff from Paul, but Mm. it's not having to explain everything from scratch. They've they've always already got that kind of shorthand between them. You can tell that he really admires the work of Sir Paul, but doesn't fall into the trap of being a super fan or a sycophant. Yeah, that's really important as well. This is where a lot of music journalism does struggle normally, as a lot of journalists, in inverted commas, don't have the kind of knowledge that the likes of Rick has. Hell, some journalists who interview musicians these days haven't even listened to the albums, apparently. <laughs> Anybody who hasn't heard that story, uh, Australian journalist who went to a, interview Adele about her latest album had not listened to the album. A slight trip to the UK. And, and, and then he admitted to it. Yeah, he had the trip yeah. to the UK. He had the 13 hours on the plane to listen to the one-hour album, but no. Yeah. So 
And, and <laughs> I think this is where I, I think a lot of I've, I've seen, you know, what so-called proper journalists interview musicians and that sort of thing. And, and a lot of journalists do get edgy around them because they're just worried, you know, what sort of what's what sort of angle are you going for with this story and that sort of thing. You know, a lot, a lot of journalists can't be trusted because let's face it, a lot of regular journalists just write shit. But I, I think that's yep. where they got it right, getting Rick Rubin in because you know, it, it, it just worked really, really well getting him together. And and Paul wasn't on the defensive at all. He was um, completely and utterly open about pretty much everything. I imagine there's there's probably a few areas that he couldn't talk to Paul about, like a certain... Oh, I'm sure, sure there was... It obviously wasn't scripted, but I'm sure there was like, can't ask that, you can't ask that. <laughs> uh, maybe. So, sometimes when people work with um, entertainment things, actually given a list beforehand. It's like, don't bring this oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'd imagine with Sir Paul that there'd be a certain ex-wife he wouldn't want mentioned <laughs> and that sort of thing. <laughs> but, yeah, and we've, we've got a shot on the screen here and it's Sir Paul just sitting on a couch uh, on the edge of a couch with his guitar. Rick Rubin is sitting cross-legged on the floor in front of him. Yeah. It's a really good shot. Yeah. It's nice. I think it's that's like mas- our, master and pupil. It, master it and that pupil, sort of yeah, that, that sort it, of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, George, just John, Paul... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <Get> it, <Mike. laughs> Ringo. <laughs> just just Sir Paul, just sitting there, just just you know, passing down the knowledge and that sort of stuff. I think it's how any of us would be if we got to meet Sir Paul and talk oh, yeah. to him regardless of who we thought was the better beetle or would be that's like, <laughs> we're not worthy, we're not worthy, sort of thing. Uh, but but like I say, he shows Paul respect, but he doesn't suck up to him. It, it, it's 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 a professional sort of respect and it's a, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's evenly balanced. It, it's, you know, I, I have, they're, they're, they're equals, they're equals. They're I, equals I, yeah. in, 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 I, yeah. I have heard Paul get a little bit high and mighty. Sometimes somebody said <laughs> something to him once and he was like, well, I was a beetle. And it's like, oh, <laughs> there, was none of that, there was none of that crap in this one. He didn't get Paul into that kind of position, which is good. Reason number four, why you should watch this series. They do multi-track breakdowns of the songs. If you've never heard this sort of thing before, it is amazing. The Beatles were some of the earliest and most successful pioneers of multi-track recording. That is, before the Beatles, a lot of bands to record, you know, even sometimes their biggest hit songs, they would just assemble the band in a studio and just play through the song live. Which, play live, yeah. Yeah, which can work okay. Um, House of the Rising Sun by the Animals is an example where apparently that was just one take. It's like, oh, oh my wow. God, <laughs> that sounds really good. <laughs> so it, it can work well and it can give you a live sound. But with the sort of work the Beatles were doing, especially um, after, they, after the touring years when they started to do more experimental stuff and that sort of thing, they wanted to be able to do it so it wasn't just you know one take. They wanted to build soundscapes, as they called them, and build songs and that sort of thing. And they needed really advanced technology at the time to do it, to the extent that even the Abbey Road Studios, which were considered quite advanced in the 1960s, had to be refitted several times with more advanced multi-track recorders to meet the needs of the studio recordings of the Beatles once they finished their live work in 66, which I said before. Once again, you watch the Get Back show, you'll see them messing around with the multi-track stuff yeah. and that sort of thing. And um, even uh, that, they were struggling. I think they were struggling to get during the get back when they were struggling to get an eight track recording machine into the studio. Yeah. Abbey, Abbey Road was just dragging, EMI was dragging their heels. Like it's more EMI's fault than, fault than the Abbey Road studio's fault. 
And there was one point apparently um, that the story goes, George walked into the um, Abbey Road studios one day and there was an eight tracks recorder sitting in the corner, um, but it wasn't being used. And George said, why aren't we using that? And George recognized it because he had one of his own at home. So, yeah, didn't he, he brought his in, didn't he? I think for, he had for, to, yeah. For the, for the Apple Studios, he brought his, yeah, his four-track four so. in or something like yeah, that. Well, yeah, well, when, when they did the rooftop recording for the Get Back thing, that was all being piped down to multiple uh, multi-track machines mm, um, mm. inside the building and that sort of stuff to record it, you know, as well as they couldn't record all the parts separately so they could mix them together later because it's just good to listen to. So listening to the multi-tracks part by part, to me, it's a bit like stripping off components of machine so you can see how the inner workings function. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. you know, it's like you can listen to a song all together, but then it's like, okay, we're going to strip away everything so you can just listen to what the drummer's doing. We're going to strip away everything so you can listen to what maybe the bass or guitar is doing. Or we could strip it off so you can just listen to the singer. And, the vocals, uh, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. vocals. Or percussion and, or just, a, yeah, it depends yeah, on, yeah, what. yeah. And and to me, it's, it's always the it's the sometimes it's the vocals that suck me in most of all because when when you hear vocals with 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 everything stripped away, sometimes it just sounds even more amazing if you know what I mean. Oh, the, especially the harmonies and yeah. the stuff that, yes. that, that that was played. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I've even this is slightly off topic. I've even got a few um, but David Bowie vocal only ones I've downloaded off YouTube. Um, one with him singing "Space Oddity" sounds freaking amazing, and it's like. Ugh, Reason number five, they pretty much cover Sir Paul's entire career and still leave you wanting more. They cover about five or six songs per episode. So over the course of the series, they must look at somewhere between 30 and 40 songs, but it still feels like only a tiny part of his overall opus, which is true. It's also worth noting that the very last track they play over the closing titles is The End from Abbey Road. It's the song that was made on the last, last day of the very last recording session where all of the Beatles were together. So, in other words, unfortunately, despite what you would like, I think the series is over. We'll, and, we'll discuss and, that later. <laughs> yeah. It, it really does a good detailed look at some stuff. You, you'd need probably a second and third series to get to a point where you're covering a, more, yeah, a much more decent part of um, Sir Paul's career. But, yeah, anyway... All right, so we got some other points here. So first one. It looks amazing. Shot in high contrast black and white that suits the series perfectly. Did you like the effect? Oh, I loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Looked really, really good. And it just gave me that uni that unifying sort of look. I mean, that sort of thing. It was, yeah, it just, just looked great. I think Paul looks and sounds great for 79 years old. His <laughs> older voice has these amazing resonant qualities you know what i mean it's, it's i know it's, but it's, i sadly i don't think we'll ever get to sort of hear him singing how he sung on the beatles albums ever again his voice is i shouldn't say it's it's gone like as you said everyone's octaves and yeah you know, the notes that they can hold go always go lower when you get older but yeah it's just kind of like oh you know like you just sort of wish she could sort of hit certain notes that you sort of got to hear oh, yeah. back you know from the yeah. from the recordings like even the you know, the wing stuff you know you sort of yeah. wish oh you know you could still sing that yeah. high or that or to hold that note that long and yeah yeah i know it's, and it's, as you said it's a it's an awesome reason why you know this has got to be covered before yeah. i mean that doesn't matter that he's you know he's not singing in this but yeah. like you know let, let's get everything covered like you know let's get him you know in before you know voices are gone or or you know yeah. things are shot or done or you know anyway yeah 
yeah, exactly. It, and, and and that's what it is because you know once that once that goes, it's not coming back. And yet, it's, no. it's, but like I say, as as a speaking voice, he's still got a really great speaking voice. And oh, speaking voice, yeah, no yeah, problem. Yeah, Just the yeah, singing voice seems yeah. to have gone. Unfortunately, singing voice but... seems to have gone. I'm sure he could probably write songs to suit the voice he has now and that sort of thing. I haven't listened to his latest album. I don't know what that's like, but. I... but it, some of it's good. I, I've actually mm. liked that he's he's done. I think it's, I think it's called Three McCartney. Yeah, Three. It is. Yeah, yeah. And he actually then after that album was released, he then handpicked certain artists to sort of remix some of these songs. Oh, okay. And there's a band I absolutely love called Karungban, and they did a version of one of the songs, and it's it's, it's smoking. So like, he, he I mean. I know he might have, you know, it's the same as when politicians name bands. It's obviously the, the junior staff are sort of say this, like, you know, say you like Spy Debate, Jim Hunter. <laughs> wasn't, no, wasn't no, that the, no, okay. no, I genuinely believe that Joe Hockey likes Nickelback. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, yeah, that, that yeah, makes I, sense. I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they go to their juniors. What's hip with the kids these days that I can yeah. talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know there's probably a, there was probably a little bit of that, but I'm sure they probably said, "Hey, Paul, mm. listen to this stuff, and what do you think?" And then he went, "Yeah, mm. you know, pick pick yeah. these guys." Um, yeah, but yeah it, it it was well shot without intruding on the pair talking. It was you, you were kind of like a bit of a fly on the wall. I th- yeah, it sort of felt a bit voyeuristic. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the the shots weren't framed in such a way so that we felt like we were sitting there with them, but it was moving around them all the time mm, and all mm. that sort of stuff, or as longer shots and that sort of thing further back. Yeah, definitely like, yeah, a, f- a fly on the wall. Yeah, that's a perfect way to describe it. And it's a good way to do it because it didn't feel like we were intruding. It, it just felt like no. they were just having a very offhand, normal sort of almost professional sort of conversation about the music and all that sort of stuff and enjoying doing it. I think it was more intrusive. It would have been tougher for both involved. But, yeah, I, I love the part in episode five where Paul is mouthing the words to a song that is being sung by John. That just looked amazing. That was yeah, great stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know there's been, even since um, John was killed, there's there's been, you know, they've had their moments and that sort of stuff. But it doesn't matter anymore. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's, just, no. it's just not worth getting. I, I, and I don't think he gets worked up about it. Or, or that pissed off about it these days. He just accepts, you know, it, it is what it is. It's unfortunate they could never get back together. And it, it's just him and Ringo now who are just the legacy of the band. So, yeah. One little nitpick from me, lol. In the Get Back series, they did give an on-screen credit for each song as they played it, regardless of what the song was, even if it was just Yoko Ono yelling John down the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> They gave her a credit. True. Would have been a great idea to do this in the series as well. Uh, would have been helpful for hopeless reviewers for myself. As like myself, was like, <laughs> what's that song? <laughs> you know, it can be yeah. found out, but they could make it a little. I, I, you know, they, they didn't the have title, to, yeah. but, but it just it just wouldn't have hurt. You know, especially because you know the earlier stuff or the solo stuff that you know we might not know as well and that sort of thing. Yeah. Any other? comments about that sort of thing before we move on um i'm, I'm just trying to think like like i said i i just want more of this but i, I think yeah we'll, we'll get into that a bit later yeah next thing we're going to talk about mccartney 321 versus get back what do we think i think i like mccartney 321 better than get back mm-hmm. um, nothing wrong with that that's cool yeah i, I mean i love absolutely love both yeah. i think get back could have been cut a little bit 
Uh, it's a bit of, tighter, you mean? That's bit sort of tighter, bit, yeah, yeah. sort of not dragged a little bit. I mean, it just felt like okay. There's the Lord of the Rings album, uh, Lord of the Rings movies, and then there's the extended cuts. And this felt like it was sort of the extended cuts, which yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely guess, yeah. love the extended cuts of this. But I think for the Beatles thing, it's kind of just yeah, tightening up. Didn't have to sort of, as you said, didn't have to sort of see Yoko screaming down the microphone. Oh, I, I didn't mind seeing that because I'd heard about it. So to actually, okay. to actually get to see it, that was okay with it. That, that was the thing. That for me, sometimes things that might have seemed like superfluous details, because I'm just a Beatles maniac, but uh, <laughs> just sometimes to me, the superfluous details is like, oh, that's that that I've read about over the years. Oh, my God. So. Well, that, that can be on the DVD box set. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what's happening if there's going to be any physical media releases for this stuff. That's something else as well. I saw, I saw there's a going to be a DVD of the McCartney three two one when doing oh, okay. re, uh, when I was putting the artwork together for yeah. the for this podcast. I saw there's a box set. Uh, sorry, box artwork uh, for okay. a DVD slash Blu-ray um, release. As for Get Back, yeah, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Could could be done. It, it could be done. Oh, for sure, yeah. But, yeah, yeah it, it really, you know, they, well, these days since, you know, admittedly physical releases are starting to get rarer for some things. So, and and since this is Hulu, Disney Plus sort of stuff, you, you know, it's, it's like so much stuff that they do have, you know, like a lot of the Star Wars and Marvel stuff that I don't think we'll ever see physical releases like Mandalorian and that sort of stuff, so... Yeah, but anyway, getting off topic. So, what about you? What's what? What's your between? You know, versus yeah, versus who, who wins? <laughs> it, 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 it's a big. There's a big difference between the two shows. I think they complement each other really nicely. I, I oh, think for sure. For if, sure. if you watch both, you'll get the maximum out of both. It, it, it's that sort of thing. Um, I, I think I, I probably would have liked to have heard more of the multi-track sort of stuff when they're actually doing get back and that sort of stuff. They, they, they just they played more just of them playing together and that sort of stuff which I know was the sound they're trying to achieve for that album and that sort of stuff. They're trying to get back to more of a live sound and, and that sort of stuff. But, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's really hard to say one over the other. If, certainly for a more casual sort of viewer or Beatles fan, I, I'd certainly go in at McCartney 321 first because, like I say, it, it'll really help fill in any gaps you might have from Get Back and try McCartney 321 first and you get through that, no worries. And you, and you should because it's only six you know, half hour episodes, which is a really good yeah, length. Smash them out easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's really easy to plow through, even though I've, I've watched it over the course of, oh, God, it must be a couple of weeks now, just, just you know, a couple of episodes here and there. But but it really has been a joy to watch. So, and and, mm. and that's the thing. You're not sitting there, you know, getting annoyed about anything. It, it, it's just really good to take it all in. McCartney, three to one overall, what do we think? I, I think, <laughs> I don't like to use, to use the word perfect, but... I, I couldn't really pick many major faults. No, I think no, I think this format. I know I know we've kind of seen not not the black and white format, but I just mean like the like it's just like two friends chatting. To, to yeah. be honest, yeah, it's a little bit like that in the Sound City uh, series that um, Dave Grohl did. Oh, okay, yeah, I haven't um, seen where that. he sort of chatted like you know, that's what I mean. It's just not like hi, this is me with a set of list of questions and you yeah. respond to that. It's just like. Two guys who obviously, you know, obviously musos or in the muso biz, and they yeah. chat, you know, chat away. You know, I, I'm sure that's what I mean. Like, I, 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 for this series, I thought, you know, six episodes, you know, is that too much? And then, like, I want more. I mean, I, yeah, I yeah. it feels like they haven't even scraped the, the, you know, 
yeah. the barrel or hit the roof or you know whatever whatever the term yeah. is yeah i want more but as you as you said maybe just having that making you salivate i mean like you know i want to after this you know i want to you know put on some beatles or i want to put on some mccartney or i want to put on some wings it, it makes so, you yeah. want to go and, and listen to the music maybe that's just enough like just those that episode is it's like a teaser taste of go and listen to my stuff to sort of learn more and as you said like this format is great i mean do we want Rick Rubin to continue on in this role? I mean, I'd, I'd love to sort of see this version of him um, read with the Chili Peppers when he, because he produced, yeah, you know, Blood, yeah. Circus, Hex, Magic, their absolute, yeah. you know, probably pretty much their hit album of yeah. anything they've released. Yeah. And to then seeing, you know, Flea and all them sort of chatting away back. I mean, I, I know yeah. there was a semi sort of doco release back in the day when that sort of came yeah. out, which I, I want to chase up now. Mm. But like, I always sort of thought Rick Rubin was a bit weird back then. But no, I sort of understand. Like, it, 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 it's yeah. his ear for music. I, I, I under, you know, it's not just like I'm sitting there twiddling the twiddling the things. I think yeah. he, him and probably George Martin are probably because like Rick Rubin hasn't just produced, you know, the Chili Peppers. He's produced like raps and rap yeah. rappers and well, med, I, I like want him to do a series metal like and he's, he's got to do a series like this with Kanye. It'd be so awesome. Oh. I'd just it'd be amazing. It'd be great. Really, it'd be so wonderful. But anyway, yeah, keep going. I'm taking off your train. Oh, but I'd love to sort of like you know love to see him sort of. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think. Did he produce um, three? For McCartney, that's I mean, I'm, I, I, I okay. I, I, I tried to do some research on this because I, I don't know what the net, what the real real nature of their relationship is. If they only met just to do this, or if they did know each other beforehand, I, I had a look mm. at Rick Rubin's discography. He doesn't seem to have worked with Sir Paul before. Ah, okay. So okay. There, there's nothing listed. So a lot of other. I, I don't know. I, I, I should have, you know, finished research properly and found out how this series came together. There wasn't too much information about that. But um, and and I'm not saying this in jest now. I'm, you know, Rick Rubin has worked with Kanye, and Kanye has worked with Sir Paul. So I don't know. God, maybe that's even the connection. Who knows? <laughs> so because there was a song that Kanye did with Rihanna, and Paul was involved as well. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Oh no, but, no, um, no idea. Yeah, no. Paul, Paul wasn't singing. He was just playing guitar. It was it was surreal. The only thing I think was missing from, the, so I guess, the set list uh, that we sort of got to hear was was the the girl is mine with Michael Jackson. I mean, I oh, I don't know about you, yeah. I no, I love that song. No, 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 I'm not knocking it, but, but, but and it just would have been interesting to sort of see how did that come about? Like how how did like obviously Michael was you know the king of pop, uh, Paul McCartney yeah. probably was a, a former king of pop. You could sort of yeah. not not saying that in a rude way, but like you know. A, well, a king of king of of music of the music industry sort of thing and yeah how did that get together like did paul get to sort of did paul write the, the song did he do the music like did he orchestrate the music or was yeah. um you know who, who was involved in that and as i mean i just would have loved to have seen that but maybe there was a rights thing or something well, like that possibly i i don't know with of course michael jackson ending up owning the beatles um catalog uh, oh, I know yeah. that there, there, there was a falling out, a big falling out between Paul and Michael Jackson. Oh. So didn't you know about that? No. No, oh, no I didn't no. know about that. Sorry. There's a no. big falling out between them because it wasn't too oh. long after they did because they, they did that song and they, and they did Say, Say, Say and they did. I don't know if they did yeah, a whole yeah. album or what the deal was. No, there was a big falling out. And um, oh, wow. so, so I don't know if the Jackson estate still owns, it was essentially the Jackson estate owned, a heap of music rights, and one of them was just all the Lennon McCartney stuff. 
So, and, and from what I understand, they had a big falling out. So I think that's the story there. What they could have done instead of that was maybe talk to him about um, working with Stevie Wonder on Ebony and Ivory, though, in all honesty. Well, that too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree on that too. Yeah. So, because that, that's one that really gets forgotten these days too. But um, so, so yeah, they, they probably, you know, it, it felt like a real novel, novelty when they got into Live and Let Die, because that's not one that yes. people talk to Paul about professionally, I'm sure, that often. And that, that was produced by George Martin as well. But um, oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I didn't yeah, realize George it was Martin. still sort of working. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, they, they did. I, I don't know if he worked on any other McCartney stuff, because that, that's the thing as well. A lot of people don't realize that the, the Beatles themselves, actually, Beatles themselves, by the end of their recording career as a band most of them had pretty good um producing and engineering skills themselves as well true yeah so, and and paul i think did, i think they made the point he did self-produce some of his later solo his albums. first his first album or his first yeah. album solo yeah. album he, he did it all himself like i like dave exactly. Grohl. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly well that it's not uncommon so it's just no true true, true sometimes so um yeah yeah, the only other thing, the only other fault, and this is no fault of his or anybody else's, the only thing that would have made the series better, which is beyond our control, would have been if they were all there together. It, it just, yeah, yeah, it, uh, or or even at least dragging Ringo in. I I don't know. It's it's like maybe that would have upset the dynamics of how they were going and that sort of stuff. But but it still would have maybe, been maybe just get Ringo in for for as you said for that for the song that they wrote for him. Um, yeah, that that yeah. that would have been or, or just getting his. Um, yeah. sort of feedback in, in regards to it. And then, you know, yeah. Ringo goes off into the distance and then, you know, Ringo, there's a Ringo yeah. series or something like that. Yeah. yeah, well, exactly. They did talk about, they talked about um, back in the USSR, didn't they? Because that's one of the few mm. songs that John Paul and George did the drumming on that song on the White Album because that was when Ringo had temporarily quit the band while they were recording the White Album. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you had that sort of thing as well. So, Yeah. um so five out of five for me i don't give that many but this definitely deserves it i I can't pick anything wrong that they really could have done anything about so five out of five yeah yeah i agree i i love this sort of stuff i love behind the scenes music stuff i mean i mean okay you've sort of dirtied my ears when you when you said that you know let's see one with kanye it was like oh no that's one thing i don't (laughs) want to see but i i mean i i've i would love i mean i one of my favorite sort of music docos. I mean, I still lo- sort of love some of the music, but the Amy Winehouse, um, Amy, yeah. uh, one where that's just an awesome doco. I mean, I love, I love music docos, mm-hmm. but, but this, this, the, this sort of, as you said, it's not really a doco. It's more of just a two mates sort of having a chat about the music that yeah. one sort of has, has done. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'd love to see this as, I mean, like, do we see, you know, oh, I'm trying to think who, who's a, another sort of prolific sort of writer that like, no, is it, do we have one with, um, Keith. Keith, well, <laughs> I was going to say Mick, Mick Jagger, or like, do we have Jagger three, two, one or something like that? I'd, I'd, go, I'd actually go Keith first because, um, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to put down Jagger, but I, I would definitely go Keith first because I saw a documentary, um, whereas Keith and he was working with, uh, little Richard and, um, Chuck Berry and that sort of thing. And, and Keith was just, a lot of musician stuff there, musicianship stuff there. Uh, I, okay. I think Keith okay. could do yep. it, yep. yeah. And I, I think he'd probably engage on it. I'm not saying Mick wouldn't, but I'd, I'd be more interested to see Keith because um, Keith did a lot of the writing for the band and that sort of stuff. That, that, that's just Michael. Mick Jagger would be great as well. Be good to get him and just get get him talking about it, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it, it's certainly the sort of thing you just you know grab people who are still you know with us from these bands, just these iconic bands. Yeah, it's it's who's in because usually in bands it usually is 
it, it can be a group effort, but there usually is somebody specifically in charge of the musicianship. And like I said, you could sell from get back that Paul was running the musicianship, at least in the latter part you know, oh, of their sure. career and that sort of thing. I, I, I think it was more of an equal thing in the earlier days. But, um, yeah, you need to find that person in the band who really was, um, you know, it's like, yeah, that, that sort of thing. So, yeah, there's definitely scope for more stuff like this. I hope Rick Rubin does think about, you know, either maybe he could still do another series with Paul very easily. It'd be great. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Or, or just, <clears throat> like I say, grabbing some other musicians sort of stuff and getting them in, getting them to play bits of songs, talk about them, do the multi-track, all that sort of stuff. Sometimes it depends on the quality of what's, what their recordings are like for the multi-track because some bands haven't, uh, haven't been as well preserved as what the Beatles have been over the decades. So <clears throat> I've got one last question for you. <laughs> Can you guess it? No. <laughs> okay. Favourite song? Can't, yep. oh, what is can't, your all-time you... favourite Beatles song? Oh, Narrow oh, down to one. Oh, one. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, that's too hard man (laughs) Uh, i mean i I mean i love all the sort of the latest stuff but i mean i I think just the hard the the quick hard rocking like have you have you seen backbeat the movie i think i absolutely love sort of the soundtrack in that it's just i mean yeah and, and the backbeat band which was made up of like dave grohl and um yeah. somebody from pearl jam band. wasn't it i think well it might have been someone from pearl jam but i know there was some other sort of yeah uh stars no, sort of like yeah, it was yeah. an all-star band pretty Actually, much wasn't but, first um, and more one of them i can't remember but but like uh, and yeah you can, it's too hard man i so mean can, can you do, narrow, do, do a favorite wing song then probably live in that can you narrow down a favorite paul song from the beatles oh I'd have to have a list in front of me. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, I, I, for me, it's a day in the life. And, and what, what sells oh. me on that, as they pointed out in this doco, a day in the life is essentially a John song and a Paul song thrown together, which is they reckon the first time they'd done it quite that way. And it's one of those songs where they each sing their own part on the song. They're not mm. just harmonizing or singing you know, merged vocals. They, they've each got their own bits. I fucking, I love that in songs where you've got two lead singers and they you know, each do their own parts and so it sounds freaking awesome. And A Day in the Life sounds really, really good for that sort of thing. So that's why I'd, I'd give it best overall Beatles song. I don't know. Best Paul song, this, this is probably not a popular choice for some people, um, but when they did the, I think it was the closing title for episode five and they played freaking Helter Skelter. And it's like, jeez. <laughs> that's a Beatles song, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Beatles song, but no, it's it's oh. it's a specific Paul song for the Beatles. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I thought yeah. you meant solo. No, Paul no, solo, no. Sorry. It's, 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 it's a specific Paul song. They, they tried to hassle Lennon about it once, and he was like, "No, man, that's all. That's all, Paul. I have nothing to do with that." <laughs> <laughs> you asked Paul about that song. I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> I, I think it sounds awesome. When they played it at the, on the closing titles of episode five. They'd done something to that version of it. They were playing. It was pumped up a bit or something like that. It sounded... Well, I'm just wondering if if maybe Rick's been brought in to remaster some stuff. That, that's another sort of thing I was sort of wondering, like, what? Uh, it's, it, it's quite possible. I know that uh, in researching this, I know that um, Rick's been in a little bit of trouble over the last few decades for being involved in what's called the loudness war, where some songs are mixed or remixed 
to sound very loud at the cost of sound quality sometimes. And Rick has been accused of that, especially some of the chili pepper stuff. But like I said, that version of Helter Skelter sounded fucking loud. It, it sounded really <laughs> good. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was, if Rick had done something or somebody did a little bit of jiggery pokery just to make it sound even better than it does normally. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was the fact they've had the multitracks here, they boosted it or something. But um, yeah, that, that, that'd be my call for um, best Paul song. I, I don't know about a best John song. So anything else you want to add about this? I think we're just about done. Uh, just, just go and watch it. Yeah. You know, it's, it won't hurt you to like it. it yeah. Yeah, it, it's half hour episodes. I wish they were sort of longer because, I, as I say, I love this sort of stuff. And as you yeah. said, the mixing desk and all that sort yeah. of stuff. But, like, yeah, you know, educate well, yourself yeah. before you, this is gone. Yeah, but but that's what that's sort of what I mean as well. It's like it's only half hour episodes, but since they cover multiple songs and they spend about five or six minutes on each one just looking at a specific point, it it goes very fast. You're not They, they don't spend too long on anything. Um, so it's like, okay, we're going to focus on the main point of this and the main point of that. And, and so, yeah, and, and yeah, they could have done it. They could have done 10 episodes, 10 songs per episode very easily. And it still would have just flown by, you know, over the course of an hour or something like that. But whatever, they, they, I, th- I still think they made the right choice in the way they presented it and that sort of yeah. stuff. So it works really well. And, yeah, I agree with you. If you haven't watched this series, definitely go check it out. Listen to some Beatles, but just definitely listen to this. And once you're done with that, if you haven't tried, get back, give it a go afterwards, see how you go. <laughs> so, all right. So thanks for listening, everybody. And um, I guess we'll catch up with you next time. Catch you later. When I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide. I started watching the original Let It Be movie today. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> it, it's, I've only watched the first 10 minutes and it's like, oh, they haven't really put any sort of narrative in it at all. And <laughs> it, it's just them randomly playing bits of songs with not even telling you what the songs are or anything. And it's like, oh, man, I can, if this whole movie is like this, I can see why people hated it at the time. <laughs> so I don't know. Is, it, to- is that the one that's done by that? that director guy in that that's in the get back yeah that that's what the get back footage was shot for yeah okay no i wasn't yeah. sure if that was actually released or, or okay, yeah okay. no it was released it was released into the cinemas because don't forget they'd done what they done help magical mystery tour yellow submarine and uh something yeah they'd done films so not all of their albums but they'd done films for quite a few of their albums and um so that yeah that they did the film for let it be and they just Went to the concepts like oh, let's just film a recording and it's like eh. i'm glad they did because it, because it's a great time capsule but at the time people were like what's this shit <laughs> it, was just, it was just too much for them so yeah anyway uh oh, i'm talked out 
So <laughs> I'm just trying to have McCartney calls him to make it. Song. <laughs> song. <laughs> song. <laughs> oh. Okay. And they even take time out to look at lie. Oh. The first song they looked at was All My Lovin', a very early Beatles piece. Uh, I still remember <laughs> Johnny Young butchering this song over and over again. Oh, my God. I didn't even, At the time, I didn't even know it was a freaking Beatles song. And then I hear their version years later. It's like, that's better than how Johnny Young was doing it. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> 